On today's episode of District Divided, I recap the Washington football team's victory over the Cincinnati Bengals this past Sunday, setting up for a huge Thanksgiving Day showdown with the Dallas Cowboys. We then jump into the State of the Union, covering everything DC sports from basketball to football to hockey to soccer. We then get more into that Dallas Cowboys game coming up on Thanksgiving Day tomorrow. And we conclude with a question that I asked Ashley Hatch, Washington Spirit forward and now U.S. Women's National Team forward, got the opportunity to ask her a question about off-the-ball movement and her role as a forward without the ball. And without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Cincinnati rookie quarterback Joe Burrow was 12 of 15 for 111 yards through one quarter. He was 21 of 29 for 195 yards and a touchdown at halftime. But that pace proved to be unsustainable. Joe Burrow exited the game with a torn ACL and MCL on a third and three throw in the second half. A very, very unfortunate injury. There was Obviously, no ill intentions in the hit. Just happens. That happens, man. RG3 suffered a very similar injury at a similar part of the field at FedEx Field just eight years ago against the Seattle Seahawks in a playoff game. We are all too familiar with a potential franchise quarterback getting hurt in his rookie season. Brutal. Absolutely brutal for the Cincinnati Bengals. They were up 9-7 when he exited the game. We went on to win this game 20-9. They did not score a point without Joe Burrow. Just to give you an idea of the impact he has had on this team, they were well in control of this game, or at least that's how it felt to me when he was in. Sensational quarterback. He's going to be excellent for many, many years. But let's continue talking about this game because the difference was clear. The very next third down they got... Backup quarterback Ryan Finley just held the ball way too long, something Joe Burrow was not doing. Again, in the first quarter, 12 of 15 for 111 yards. He was getting rid of it very, very quickly. It was very hard to get after him throughout the game. But on that third and three with Ryan Finley holding the ball too long, Ryan Kerrigan was the man that got the sack. And the game was essentially over at this point. What a difference a quarterback makes. Let's talk about Chase Young. He, the number two overall pick in this draft, just one after Joe Burrow, was fantastic. He saved a touchdown when it looked like Joe Burrow was going to walk in on fourth and goal. Troy Apke slowed him down a little bit, but Chase Young just laid down the hammer. Young started the play on the left side of the Bengals' O-line, got double teamed, then triple teamed, and ended up motoring his way to the right side of the field to knock the ball out for a touchback. The ball was recovered by Ronald Darby, who he himself had one hell of a game as well. Now, this game, like I was saying earlier, was not comfortable. And we have Randy Bullock, the kicker for the Cincinnati Bengals, to thank for this win as well. He missed a 34-yard field goal and an extra point before hitting from 50 yards later in the game. Had he hit the extra point and 34-yard field goal, the 34-yard field goal happening on the opening drive, those are considered automatic in the league, by the way, very short distances. We're talking about a 13-7 game. 
instead of a nine to seven game. And that doesn't sound like much, but it is because that's needing a touchdown versus just a field goal to take the lead. We're talking about doubling our point total at that time from seven to 14 versus just going, hey, if we get a field goal, we're up 10 to nine. Huge difference. The game could have had a very different feel to it. The game being called, it could have happened differently. Maybe they don't throw as much if they're up 13-7. Who knows? Lots of variables, but Randy Bullock really helped us out in this one, missing that 34-yard field goal in the extra point. Let's talk about some quick statistics. Alex Smith, 17-25 to for 166 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Antonio Gibson, 16 carries for 94 yards and a touchdown. And Ronald Darby, once again, targeted 14 times on defense, only six completions on him. And that fumble recovery in our end zone, he was excellent on Sunday. Now, up next, we've got a huge game against the Dallas Cowboys tomorrow on Thanksgiving Day at 4.30 p.m. on Fox. Who shocked everyone. The Dallas Cowboys shocked everyone but Washington fans by beating Minnesota. Why but Washington fans? Why everybody but Washington fans? Because Kirk Cousins is the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings, and we're well familiar with Kirk Cousins in situations where he gets momentum and needs to win. Andy Dalton came back and looked very good for the Dallas Cowboys. C.D. Lamb had an excellent game as well. One hell of a catch for his touchdown. Amari Cooper looked lively. Six catches for 81 yards there. And the defense for the Cowboys had some life to it as well. The winner gets possession of first place of the NFC East, at least for a few days, believe it or not. Folks, everybody in the NFC East has three wins right now. Absurdly low total, especially through these many weeks of the season. Each team's played 10 games now. There's everything to play for. This is the greatest divisional race we've seen in quite some time. And it just so happens that every team has three wins. Unbelievable. Now, before we get into the preview of that game, let's jump into the State of the Union to get some quick wraparound coverage of the other DC sports teams. Welcome to the State of the Union, everybody. Your DC Sports Wraparound coverage, beginning with the Washington Wizards. They re-signed Davis Bertans to a five-year, $80 million deal. Mission accomplished. Priority number one achieved. We re-signed Davis Bertans once again to a five-year, $80 million deal. He is here to stay, folks. We also signed center Robin Lopez to a one-year, $7 million deal hoping he can be the rim protection we've been looking for. And John Wall requested a trade, apparently, but it does not sound like he's going to be going anywhere. It might have just been a spur-of-the-moment thing. It might have been in reaction to us building around Bradley Beal, which seemed obvious. But it sounds like John Wall is going to stay, and we're finally going to see Wall, Bertans, Beal, Rui, and Denny Avdia. Looking forward to seeing the Rook play. The 72-game season for the NBA begins December 22nd. On to the Washington Capitals. When does their season begin? The NHL is targeting January 1st, 2021 as their start date for the new season. So just over a month from now, but there's still nothing set in stone. I don't know what's taking the NHL so long. The NBA seemed to have figured it out pretty quickly. But again, it's just over a month away seems like a pretty quick turnaround. We'll see what happens there. I just hadn't given a Washington Capitals or NHL update in a while, so there you have it. 
On to college basketball. The Georgetown Hoyas play today at 4 p.m. against UMBC. You can see the game on FS1 or listen on the radio on 106.7 The Fan. That is FM radio. They have one additional game before next week's episode, Navy, on Tuesday at 6 p.m. You can see that game on CBS Sports Network. The Big East preseason poll came out, and Georgetown is ranked dead last, 11th in the Big East. So expectations are low, very, very low for your Georgetown Hoyas, but it's college basketball, man. You just never know. I'm so glad it's back. And speaking of college basketball, the other team, the Maryland Terrapins, they play today at 2 p.m. That's actually right now against Old Dominion. You can see the game on BTN Plus or listen on the radio on ESPN 980. That's AM radio. They have three more games before next week's episode. Navy on Friday at 3 p.m., Mount St. Mary's on Sunday at 2 p.m., Monmouth on Tuesday at 7 p.m. All those games can be seen on the Big Ten Network, and all of those are home games, but no fans are allowed at the Xfinity Center. The Big Ten preseason poll came out, and Maryland is ranked 10th of 12, so expectations are low for them. Not quite as low as it is for the Georgetown Hoyas, but once again, it's college basketball. I'm glad it's back. You're glad it's back. You never know what happens in that arena. Speaking of the Maryland Terrapins, football. Their last two games against Ohio State and Michigan State were canceled. But now they look to be back in action against number 12, Indiana, this Saturday at 12 p.m. You can see that game on ESPN2. They left off on a two-game win streak, beating both Minnesota and Penn State. Let's see if they can find and maintain that momentum against Indiana, who are 11.5-point favorites for this one. But remember... Penn State were every favorites against the Maryland Terrapins in their last game, and Maryland smoked them. So we'll see what happens there. The Washington Spirit, goalkeeper Aubrey Bledsoe and forward Ashley Hatch were called up to the U.S. Women's National Team ahead of a game versus the Netherlands. Congratulations, Aubrey. Congratulations, Ashley. It's a rematch of the World Cup Final where previous Spirit player Rose Lavelle scored in a 2-0 win in France. The group called up for this match are not a bunch of new players either. It's a highly experienced roster. Players called up for this match include Alex Morgan, Alyssa Nair, Becky Sauerbrunn, Abby Dahlkember, Kristen Press, Tobin Heath, Rose Lavelle, former Spirit player, Sam Mewis, Crystal Dunn, Kelly O'Hara. All of the above mentioned players were involved in the World Cup Final against the Netherlands a huge opportunity for our two players the game is at 12 35 p.m on friday and you can catch that on espn2 that's going to conclude your state of the union your dc sports wraparound coverage now we get right back into the washington football team and their huge thanksgiving day showdown against the dallas cowboys Let's begin with a quick NFC East standings update. In first place, the Philadelphia Eagles at 3-6-1. They play Seattle on Monday night. In second place, the New York Giants at 3-7, playing the Ryan Finley-led Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. In third place, the Washington football team at 3-7. In fourth place, the Dallas Cowboys at 3-7. And, and we play each other tomorrow. Folks, this is it. This game determines whether we are looking towards the draft or still have a shot at the playoffs. Right now, we're doing both, but it's going to be way more clear after tomorrow's game. Dallas is favored by three points, and people may wonder why that is since we whooped them 25-3 to earlier this season. 
To me, I could think of four things. Here's why they're favored. Number one, it's lazy, but they're at home. And they do allow fans there, and it can make a difference. Number two, they played Pittsburgh close with Garrett Gilbert at quarterback very recently. Number three, they just went to Minnesota and put up 31 points on a good defense and won that game outright on the road. Number four, Alex Smith is not Kyle Allen. We start slow with Alex Smith. We still have zero opening drive points. Now, that's not on him. That's mostly on Dwayne. That's mostly on Kyle. But at halftime, the last three weeks with Alex Smith, here are our point totals. Three, three, and seven. Three points against the New York Giants at halftime. Three points against the Detroit Lions at halftime. And seven points against the Cincinnati Bengals at halftime. We were trailing in all three of those The Dallas Cowboys are no longer a team in complete disarray like they were when we played them the first time. Ezekiel Elliott ran for over 100 yards and averaged about 5 yards a carry against the Minnesota Vikings. If we fall behind against the Dallas Cowboys tomorrow, this version of the Dallas Cowboys, we could be in trouble. Now, this is still going to be a close game and hopefully a good game. A home team favored by three normally tells you that Las Vegas thinks it's essentially... A toss-up. Essentially a toss-up. So what it comes down to is this. Can we get going fast on offense? Once again, can we get going fast on offense? If you think we can, then we win the game. If you don't think so, I can see Dallas getting ahead and being allowed to dictate tempo again being able to run with Ezekiel Elliott, being able to run with Tony Pollard. He had five carries for 60 yards and a touchdown. They were running the ball well. It allowed Andy Dalton to go 22 of 32. And three of those incompletions were drops. So you could pin them at 25 for 32 if they don't have the drops. They're playing well right now. Now, our defense is good enough to cause them problems just as they did in the first meeting between the teams. But again, Entering that game, there was complete disarray from the Dallas Cowboys. There were leaks about, we don't believe in the coaching staff. Our DC doesn't know what he's doing. Our head coach doesn't know what he's doing. Now, all of a sudden, Mike McCarthy shows up, smashes some watermelons, and now the Dallas Cowboys seem to be back and seem to be in a very good spot in this division, excuse me, because everybody has only three wins, which is why, once again, this is it. This is it. Now, the way I see this going, I do expect Alex Smith to be able to play well enough to keep it close at halftime. He's starting to sling it downfield. He has trust in Terry McLaurin, who is questionable for the game, but he will play. I believe he's going to do well. I believe Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick are going to do well. Call me a homer, but I think they are going to do well. Do I think they're going to do well enough to be able to keep this game close all the way down the stretch. That's what I'm a bit nervous about. When I say Alex Smith can keep this close, I think it's within one possession. But based on how slow we've been starting, we cannot get away with that. Cannot get away with that this time around. This is the biggest Thanksgiving game for us since 2012. I cannot believe the 3-7 Washington football team, 3-7 Dallas Cowboys. This, this is the game we live for, folks. This is the game we live for. Love it. Love it. (sighs) 
without looking at the stats, because again, when it comes to this game, you just throw them all away. My gut, my gut leans Dallas. And I'm also sort of saying that because last week I picked the Bengals and we ended up winning and I want to keep that formula going. My gut leans Dallas. I even think they cover. I think the score is going to be 28 to 24 Dallas. I hope I'm wrong, but it involves a fast start. I'm not sure we can start fast. Again, those halftime totals scare me. Three, three, and seven. Three against the New York Giants. Three against the Detroit Lions. And seven against the Cincinnati Bengals. That's not fast enough. That will not cut it. If we have 14 points by halftime tomorrow, I think we win. Really as simple as that. It sounds simple anyway. If we can get to 14 points by halftime, I think we can win this game because I think our defense is good enough to slow them down. And if we can dictate tempo instead of them, it comes down to who can do that. If we can do it, we win. If they can do it, they win. 28-24 Dallas, that is my prediction. But I could see it going both ways. But I'm going to stick to it. 28-24 Dallas. But man, if we win, once again, first place in the NFC East. You got to love this race. You absolutely have to run this race. We love this race. I said run this race. Run it too. Run it. But we're never going to see another division race like this. Three and six and one. Three and seven. Three and seven. Three and seven. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Anyway, that's my pick for the game. But now I want to talk about forward Ashley Hatch for the Washington Spirit and now for the U.S. Women's National Team. Once again, congratulations to Ashley Hatch and Aubrey Bledsoe for being called up to the U.S. Women's National Team for their game against the Netherlands this Friday. You can see it at 12.35 p.m. on ESPN2. The Washington Spirit had tweeted out that there was a chat with Ashley Hatch, and so I decided to sign up for it because I was like, you know what? I'm doing this District Divided Sports podcast, and I've never really felt like a member of the media, so I thought I would check it out. I had no idea if we were chatting with Ashley Hatch or if it was a moderator and Ashley Hatch, and there were just a bunch of people listening. But in any case, I signed up for it, and I got to ask her a question about the role of a forward off the ball. And here comes the audio for it. It is presented to you by Washington Spirit Media, and it's Youth Chat with Ashley Hatch, presented by Kerasoft. Here's the question. Question for you is, so you're forward, and scoring goals, probably love it. But aside from that, what would you say is the main role of a forward, specifically off the ball? Because I think we do a lot of on-ball training in the U.S., but how about off the ball as a forward? Um, that's a great question, and that's something that, like, I think that I like to, I don't know, look at and study film on a lot is, like, how much the forward – the forward is the first line of defense, right? So, like, my job, especially as a nine, is attacking – like center forward and when the other team has the ball is to you know make it the play predictable for my players behind me so like I'm you know maybe not going to be the one to win the ball but I can help shape um the other team so it's predictable so my team can win the ball so like when the other team has the ball the defensive side and the pressure that I put on the other team is super important and then off the ball when my team has the ball um I mean, my role is vital in creating any kind of opportunity for the attack, whether that's me 
making an unselfish run across the back line to pull a defender, make a gap for someone else to pop in and receive the ball, or whether that's me making a run off someone else, a space that someone else made for me to get the ball, or it's just to make a run to stretch the back line for someone else to receive the ball in front of the back line. Um, so there's a lot that goes into, you know, the position of a forward um, and just like moving the other team. Um, and I think if, I mean, for all you future soccer stars, the sooner you can learn that, I think the better and more successful that you'll be. Because a lot of, I don't know, like I was this way too when I was younger, like I'm not contributing if I don't touch the ball, but that's not the case because if you're moving the other team and if you're moving the back line, you're creating so many more opportunities for your team. So that's a really good question. <laughs> and once again, thank you to Ashley Hatch for taking the time to answer that question. Once again, that audio was brought to you by Washington Spirit Media and Youth Chats presented by Kerasoft. And here was the format of that youth chat. First off, I didn't know it was a youth chat. I just thought it was a chat. So I was assuming other media members would be there, things like that. It ended up just being a youth team. They had to have been 10 years old or something like that. And then there was me. And so it was certainly one of the more awkward experiences, but it was still a very, very cool experience. And you know what? For you guys, I would do it again. I would do it again just to get you that inside scoop, that cutting edge information from a U.S. women's national team player. It's all for you guys. It is all for you guys. So I really hope you enjoyed the answer. I really enjoyed being there. Once again, I'd do it again in a heartbeat. It was a really cool opportunity though. And it was a really cool opportunity for those kids. I can't even imagine if I were, you know, 10 years old and I got to ask Marco Echeverri questions from DC United or Jaime Moreno, like that would have been so cool. Heck, even Freddie Adu, he was only like three years older than me anyway, but that would have been sick. So it was a really cool opportunity for them. You may have noticed in her answer, she was saying, yeah, for you future soccer stars out there, she was talking to them. Not me, just talking to them. So yeah, that was fun. But anyway, that's going to conclude this week's episode of District Divided. I am your host, Amit Singh. If you like the podcast, please follow it on Twitter and Instagram at District Divided. And it is on Facebook. There is a page and group both called District Divided. Please like and join respectively. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hope you have an awesome time wherever you are. Hope you're staying safe. If you're with family, have an amazing time. If you're on your own, have an amazing time. Significant other, amazing time. Just enjoy yourself. It's been one hell of a year for all of us. Just enjoy yourself. Be thankful that you're still here. Be thankful for the people around you. And be thankful for this guy, Polly Polo, who's been out drawing for many, many weeks now. Take it away. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. I can go for broke, but the capital is in me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me. I spent my whole damn life in the city.